You're listening to an audio message from Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. For more information, visit our website at harvestgranger.org. I want you to open your Bible to Titus chapter 3. And as we dive into the scripture this morning, this is the third part of a six-part series on the Holy Spirit. I've been telling you that our desire during this series is not just to study the Holy Spirit. It's not just to learn some things about the Holy Spirit. Our desire is actually to experience the Holy Spirit. And so today, my prayer is that we would do just that. Uh, As we began our series, we learned that... uh, Uh, We need the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And so we need the Holy Spirit flowing through us. Last week we learned that Jesus called the Holy Spirit the helper. And so we learned that Jesus didn't send the Holy Spirit to help me get my work done. He sent the Holy Spirit to help me get his work done. But I think we need to take a time out And just make sure that we understand before the Holy Spirit can do work through us, the Holy Spirit must do some work on us. And so we're going to learn a new word here this morning. The word is regeneration. I want you to see it here in Titus chapter 3. And would you read with me here in verse 5? He says this. He saved us. Let's just pause right there. You see the word saved. There's a lot of different words that we use for salvation. This is probably the most popular word. Uh, We get mocked a little bit as Christians for being people that are called the saved ones. And sometimes when we try to evangelize, people say, you're trying to save me. We get made uh, made fun of a little bit for that word. That's not a bad word. It's a biblical word. It may be a little overused for us because we seem to lose some of the significance and the meaning of all that's wrapped up in that word. We're going to study that word here this morning, but there's other words for it. Uh, Converted is a good word. We have to be converted. We have to be justified, declared righteous before God. That's wrapped up in that word. Um, There's another word here that we're going to learn at the end of this verse. It says this, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of of regeneration by renewal of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that does the work in us necessary to save us. And the word that we're looking at this morning is the word regeneration. It's synonymous kind of with the word resurrection. We looked at that a couple of weeks ago at, resur- at, at, um, uh, at Easter, Resurrection Sunday. But it's not really right to say that when we're saved, we're resurrected because being resurrected implies that you had life sometime in the past and you just kind of lost it. But the word regeneration is this idea that the Holy Spirit grants spiritual life to spiritually dead people. Let me ask you this. On the count of three, I want you to tell me out loud your birthday. One, two, three. Thank you very much. June 17th. Now, let me ask you this. Do you remember when you were born? 
You remember that? It's kind of this blood and guts everywhere. I mean, it's just kind of not. You remember all that? You don't remember it. Well, then I have the right to challenge you as to whether or not you've actually been physically born. I mean, prove it. What, what proof would you offer to me that you are physically alive? Anybody? Anybody? You're taking up space. You're breathing air. You have a pulse. Most of you, even on Sunday morning, um, you've grown. Some of you are overgrown. Um, some of you have reproduced. All of those are signs of physical life. Well, here's my question to you this morning. Have you had a spiritual birthday? Do you know that you are spiritually alive? Now, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to get outside of your comfort zone. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to find another person that you've been avoiding eye contact with all morning. As someone that you did not ride in the car with this morning to church. And I want you to give them two reasons you know that you are spiritually alive. Now, if I ask you to do that physically, you're like pulse, breathing, children. I'm alive. If I ask you to do that spiritually, what would you say? Now, as you think about the answer to that question, I want to let you know up front this morning. If the Holy Spirit answers my prayer, this morning there will be dozens of people who experience what this verse says this morning. That you will experience the washing of regeneration, of renewal of the Holy Spirit. The reality for some of us is this. You are religious but you've never been regenerated. You were born into a, a Christian family, but you've never been born again by the Spirit of God. We're gonna study what all that means here this morning, but I want you to get on your feet, turn, smile at somebody that you've been avoiding this morning, and I want you to give them two reasons you know that you're spiritually alive. Okay, if you haven't switched already, it's time to switch. Time to switch. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Now you can have a seat. You can have a seat if you've got the two reasons. Now I'm telling you what, we just learned some things about this congregation of people. First of all, we learned who the extroverts are in the room because you love that assignment. Man, you made a friend for life. You're going to lunch. This is great. So glad I came to church. And all the introverts in the room are going, I'm never coming back to this church. 
again. Now, I gotta, I'm in the category of the introvert. I mean, off the platform, I'm just like, hide me in a corner somewhere. But uh, the, the, more, the most important thing we learned is this. Now, some of you did not have great answers to that question, and that's okay. That's, that's okay. Before we leave today, everybody's gonna be able to identify what the signs of spiritual life are as we study the work of the Holy Spirit in salvation. Now, again, uh, we, we like to study the scripture and find out what the Holy Spirit wants to do through us, but it is impossible to do a study on the Holy Spirit. You open your Bible and you find out the main thing the Holy Spirit does is saves us and keeps us saved. And so if you are a person that had some good answers to that question, you may be thinking, well, I don't even really know if I need this message. Oh, yes, you do. Because the more you understand how dependent you are on the Holy Spirit for salvation, the more eruption of praise and the more allegiance to the word of God that we have in our hearts. And so I trust that if you didn't have great answers to that question this morning, that the Holy Spirit is even using that to provoke regeneration in your heart. We're gonna look at five things the Holy Spirit does in us to secure our salvation. Here's the first thing. The Holy Spirit convicts me. The Holy Spirit convicts me. You've got your Bibles open to Titus chapter three. Look back up here at uh, verse three. Before we look at that, I'll remind you of a verse that we looked at last week in John chapter 16. Jesus said that as our helper, when the Holy Spirit comes, he, the Holy Spirit, will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Holy Spirit convicts me. What does he convict me of? Well, we find some of those things here in Titus chapter three, beginning in verse three. This is what it says. It says, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Does that sound like your week? Was that the way that your week went? I mean, aren't you glad you came to church this morning? What a discouraging list. And yet, for every person that has experienced the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, it all starts with the Holy Spirit convicting me that I am foolish. I am disobedient. I have been led astray. I am a slave to passions and pleasures. I am passing my days with malice and envy and I feel hated by others and I am certainly hating, every, I'm hating life. That is a work of the Holy Spirit to convince you of that. Now, some of you are too proud to admit that that list applies to you. And that means that you are the candidate for the Holy Spirit to erode that pride and bring you to the place of humility where you could actually admit, even though you would like to be known as wise, you're actually very foolish. Let's look at that list. The Holy Spirit convicts me. And when he does, do you know what I feel? I feel foolish. That is an inside work that the Holy Spirit does to show me that my biggest problem is not that I am just a sinner, but I am fueled with foolishness on the inside that actually makes me attracted to 
things that are sin. In the Old Testament, in Psalm chapter 14, verse 1, we find the definition of a fool. This is what it says. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You know what a fool does? He lives his life as if there was no God. Now, there are people out there that proclaim to be atheists, and, and some of them are, are quite bold these days in proclaiming atheism. The, the, the truth of the matter is the scripture says there's really no excuse for not believing in God, and deep in our hearts, we know there's a God, but a fool lives his life as if he will not be accountable to God, as if God is not seeing what's going on in his life. That is a fool. And when the Holy Spirit convicts you, you sense the conviction that I have lived my life as if there were no God. How many of you can look back at some regrets in your life and it's like, if I knew then what I know now, I never would have been so foolish. Am I the only one that would give a testimony in church and say, yeah, I've been a fool because I did those things. That is a generous work of the Holy Spirit to show you how foolish that you've been. And so we feel like we've been foolish. Secondly, we feel like we've been disobedient. That's what it says here in verse three. Disobedient to the law of God. What laws of God? Well, we could start with the 10 commandments. Anybody know what the first commandment is? You shall have no other gods before me. That's a problem because I regularly act like I'm God. God, I'm not gonna obey your law. I've got better ideas. I'm gonna, I'm gonna obey my law. And we step outside of boundaries and we face the consequences. I don't know what you did yesterday. Um, it, it was like the first Saturday that it was above freezing in Michiana. Did anybody work in the yard? Anybody work in the yard? That's great. So you know what I did all day long yesterday? I spent six hours in the yard digging a trench with a screwdriver. Because, you remember the dog last week? Remember Murray? Okay. Murray likes to go outside of his boundaries but someone has invented this thing called an invisible fence. And if you bury this little wire in your yard and hook it up to electricity and put a shock collar on the dog, not only does it keep the dog in his boundaries, it provides great entertainment for the rest of the family. And so I was digging this thing and I, Scott was helping me and I was at one point saying, Scott, I think they ought to make one of these for children. You know, every time you're disrespectful to a teacher, you don't obey your mom, you just kind of, you know, every time you attempt to step outside your boundary, it pulls you back in. Do you know what the Holy Spirit is? The Holy Spirit is an invisible fence for you. Every time you try to step outside the boundaries, every time you are disobedient to a holy God, for those of us who are regenerate, you know what happens? That's why some of you come to church and it's like, why is it so miserable in here? And it's like so heavy. He's always stepping on my toes. It's not me stepping on your toes. That is the Holy Spirit shocking your heart saying you've been stepping out of bounds, you're disobedient. But until the Holy Spirit convicts you of that, you go play in the street and get run over by a car. You see, the reason that we have the invisible fence for Murray is because next door there's a dog named Zeke that's three times the size of Murray and will eat Murray. We do this for his own protection. 
And the Holy Spirit does this for your protection too. There's dangerous things out there that the Lord is trying to prevent you of. The Holy Spirit convicts me and I feel disobedient. I feel lost. The scripture says that we were led astray. I remember years ago when I was traveling with Life Action, waking up in a different city every week. And I remember we were in Brandon, Mississippi and woke up early one Saturday and I went for a jog. I just left my host home and just went for a jog. This was back before GPS. This was back before cell phones. After 30 minutes of jogging, right turn, right turn, left turn, left turn, right turn, right turn, left turn. I'm finished jogging. The only problem is I have no idea where I'm at. And I remember I'm lost. How do I get back home? And I just had to kind of figure something out. I finally was in total dependence on the help of somebody else. And I just looked at the houses available and I thought, that looks like a nice house. I'm sure there's a nice person in there that will help me. And I went up there and I knocked on the door and it was my host home. The lady came up to the door and welcomed me home. And I'm like, that was God, just <laughs> totally lost. And yet somehow in mercy, he led me back home. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for those who are spiritually dead with no hope, lost, led astray. He gets you back home. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in convicting me. And he convicts me. I feel lost. I feel trapped. The scripture says we were slaves. Do you know what that means? You were owned by sin. You were shackled. You had a heavy taskmaster. And it is not until a redeemer comes and purchases you off the slave market and sets you free that you have any hope of knowing the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. He says, we were slaved, we feel trapped, we feel envy. Do you see it? We were spending our days in malice and envy. You know what envy is? It's an inward sense that something's missing. And that person has it and I want it. You ever felt that way? No matter how hard you try, no matter how much stuff you accumulate, you still live with the sense that something's missing and I want it, whatever it is, that is a work of the Holy Spirit. And then finally he says, I feel hate and hated. I hate my life. I hate the people that have sinned against me. I don't have any category for processing how to forgive those people. And then I just feel hated. It's like, if God loved me, why would life be so difficult? And yet the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit to convict me, convinces me that I am foolish, disobedient, lost, trapped, feeling envy, hated and hateful. And it's at that moment that the Holy Spirit then begins to convict me, not only of my badness, but God's goodness. Look at this verse. This is the second thing that happens when the Holy Spirit's at work in my life. It says, but then, verse four, but when the goodness and loving kindness of our God, our Savior appeared. The word appeared is an incredibly powerful word. It means at one point 
I couldn't see it. My eyes were closed. I was blind to it. And yet, because of a merciful act of the Holy Spirit, he's opened my eyes to the goodness and loving kindness of God. Now, I think we could probably all vote God good, God bad. I think we'd all probably give God a thumbs up on good. But it is absolute goodness. It is complete moral perfection. It is perfect holiness. As a matter of fact, God is so good, why would he have anything to do with you? I'm completely separated from him because he is good, I am not. I'll never be good enough. But not only is he good, he's loving and kind, which means he shows love and kindness to people who aren't good. And it's the Holy Spirit that makes that appear to me. So first of all, he convicts me of my badness, then he convinces me of God's goodness, and then the Holy Spirit regenerates me. He regenerates me. We see it here in verse five. It's the verse we've looked at. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. So often we think that the way to a relationship with God is to work in such a way that God would approve. You wanna to go to heaven? You gotta work really hard. It's worth the work. You gotta work. You gotta to go to church, you gotta give some money, be nice, don't kick your dog, be nice. And somehow that, that, that will kind of qualify you for heaven. It's not anywhere found in the Bible. As a matter of fact, the Bible says completely the opposite that you are completely dependent upon a mercy of God to wash you. The way to heaven is not by working, the way to heaven is by washing. Another thing I did yesterday, Andrea said, um, I need you to get the rust stains off the house. Now, I just thought though that was part of the decoration of the house, but apparently our sprinklers in the front yard, they spray dirty water on the house and it kind of coats the house with this orange slimy. Is this just my house or is this your house too? Does anybody have anything? I could come to your house and I, I, I have the secret. I found the solution. It's called oxalic acid. You spray that on there and I mean in 20 minutes, it's just gone. You have to scrub it. Now, what oxalic acid does for rust stains, the blood of Jesus does for sin stains. And when you realize you are stained with envy and hate and disobedience, you realize the only way that's coming off is not by working, it comes off by washing. The washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. The most obvious example in the Bible of someone who was regenerated was a guy named Nick Odemus. Nick Odemus in John chapter three was having a conversation with Jesus. Now it's interesting, it says Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, maybe because he didn't want 
all of his religious fathead friends to know he was actually talking to Jesus. Now, Nicodemus was one of the most religious guys around. I mean, in the house of God every week, on the staff, on the payroll, knew the Bible, taught the Bible, and one of the most religious guys on the scene, Jesus said this to him. He said, Nicodemus, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Want to go to heaven? Want to be a part of God's kingdom? Want to claim God as your king? The only way for that to happen is for you to have a spiritual birthday, to be born again. In the context here, when Jesus said that to him, Nicodemus kind of scratches his like, what do you mean? Like how in the world can an old man go up in the mother's womb and be like, that's just gross. Like, what are you talking about? And Jesus went on to say this, you're not thinking spiritually, you're thinking physically. Jesus said this to him, that which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of spirit is spirit. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. So Jesus uses this word picture. We're all familiar with wind, right? I mean, I grew up in Oklahoma. We have an abundance of wind. We have tornado wind. And it's real obvious when the wind is blowing and yet the, re the reality is you can't see it. And some people get hung up on this whole idea of spiritual forces and God is spirit. I don't think I can believe in a force I can't see. Do you believe in wind? How do you believe in wind? Why do you believe in wind? You see the effect of it, right? You see, you feel pressure on your face. You see the leaves move. Jesus says that's the way it is with the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit blows, you see the effect. The question is, has the Holy Spirit so blown on your life that it has actually affected your life? He says, that which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of spirit is spirit. Some of you have come to church since nine months before you were born. You, you are here every Sunday. You went to vacation Bible school. You've got a head filled with Bible knowledge. You've prayed a prayer. You've signed a card. You've raised your hand. You've come forward an invitation. You've gone through the waters of baptistry. The question is this. Did you do all of that in the flesh? That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Do you have a spiritual birthday where the Holy Spirit has convicted you of sin, you've responded in faith and repentance, and because the Spirit has blown on your life, you're now moving in a different direction. Do you have a spiritual birthday? Do you know when it is? 
You don't have to know the day and the hour, maybe the way that you know your physical birthday, but you should be able to look at your life and say, I was going this way, and then the Holy Spirit started blowing me that way. That's repentance. And until or unless you can identify that point, and again, you don't have to know the day and the hour, but you do need to know you've had a spiritual birthday because unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. Sirius is a heart attack. Have you been born again? Do you have a spiritual birthday? If you have not yet been born again, you will not enter the kingdom of God. I want you to enter the kingdom of God. So I want you to be born again. As a matter of fact, if you've never been born again, if you've never had a work of the Holy Spirit produce spiritual life in you, if all you've done is church in the flesh, baptism in the flesh, confirmation in the flesh, Bible knowledge in the flesh, ministering, pastoring in the flesh, you can be born again right now. As a matter of fact, everybody bow your heads. We're not finished, but this is as good a time as any to be born again. Let's just turn this whole room into a labor and delivery room. If the Holy Spirit in the last 20 minutes has been blowing on your heart and there is any inclination in you to say, you know what? I've been foolish, disobedient, lost, envious, all of those things are the wind of the Holy Spirit convicting you that you need a savior and you need a spiritual birth. And if you have never in a decisive moment repented of sin, turned from the foolishness, turned from the disobedience and received Christ as savior, you can do that right now. Just open up your heart and say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on that cross. Holy Spirit, thank you for opening my eyes to your goodness and your loving kindness. I've been foolish. Tell him that. I've been disobedient. I'm a slave to my passions and pleasures. And there is nothing I can do in righteousness to wash that away. Would you come and wash me by your blood? Grant me spiritual life. Help me never to be ashamed of you. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm the only one looking around. But if you just prayed that prayer, would you just slip your hand in the air real quick? I just want to be happy for a minute. Thanks. 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 Keep them in the air for a minute. Thanks. Thanks. Anybody else? Thanks. All right. Hands down. Everybody look back up here. 
okay, I saw like seven or eight hands, which means there's seven or eight people that just had a spiritual birthday. They're going to share it together. Awesome. Now, there was probably about 75 others that needed to have a spiritual birthday. And you're under conviction, but you're not quite sure, should I do this, should I not do this? Should, did I already do this? Should, I'm, all right, so at the end of the service, pastors and their wives are always here. Those of you that raised, their, raised your hands, you need to come and tell us. And that'll help us be able as pastors to, to help you take your next step and to grow. We've got a new believers kit. We wanna get that into your hands. Next week, we're having baptism. And we can talk to you about what all that's about. And that's the next step for a, a new believer. You have a spiritual birthday and then you go public with it and let everybody know through baptism, okay? So at the end of the service, all of that's available to you. So don't, I'm not gonna pull your teeth or anything, but come and let us know. And those of you that may have questions about it, it's like I'm under conviction, but I don't know quite what to do. That's why we're here. But my prayer is that everybody leaves this service 100% sure, confident, without any doubt that you're born again. That's why we're here today, okay? Now, you would think, okay, so I guess we're done. It's kind of early. It's like, no, we're not done. This is the best part. It's just getting started here. Because do you know what happens after the Holy Spirit regenerates you? The Holy Spirit baptizes you. The Holy Spirit baptizes me. Now, let's look at this word baptism here. I want, you to, show, I want to show it to you because Jesus talked about baptism and the Holy Spirit together. Now, this is John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, that tells us what happens to regenerate people. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance. So John the Baptist, get it, Baptist baptizing. Yeah. So he, in order for people to like make a change, he was like, take them down into the, the water and he would dunk them and they would come back up. And that was kind of the sign that they were making a change. And so John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water, but listen, he who is coming after me is mightier than I. Who's he talking about? his cousin, Jesus, and it says, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry, and he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Do you see the difference? John's using water, Jesus is using fire. How many of you would rather sign up for John's baptism, okay? <laughs> Like, wait, now, wait, now Jesus is going to like set me on fire. He's speaking of the refining, purifying fire that the Holy Spirit does. Now that we are regenerate, do you know what he does? He burns away all of these sinful habits in our life. And for the rest of our life, he's going to be purifying and changing us. He's going to baptize us. He says he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So when does that happen? Well, we find out the fulfillment of that was actually... 50 days after Jesus' resurrection in, in a Jewish holiday called Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and now the, it changed the whole ministry of the Holy Spirit from a spirit that rests on people to a spirit that dwells in people. You see the word baptism, baptized there? Interesting word. Let me give you a little lesson in language here. Um, you know that the Bible was originally, the New Testament was written in Greek. The people that wrote it, wrote it in Greek. How many of you speak Greek? No, me either. So are you grateful that there are some people that speak Greek and English and translated the words into English? How many grateful for that? How many of you speak English? Kinda, all right, yeah. So we've got an English translation of our Bible. So what they would do is they would translate the Greek words into the English words and now we can read the English Bible. 
But do you know what they did when they got to the Greek word baptismo? Baptizo? Instead of translating it, they transliterated it. In other words, they created a new English word, baptize, that sounds a lot like the Greek word baptizo. Why did they do that? I have no idea, but I wish that they would have just used the word immerse, engulf, saturate, plunge. All of those would have been great English words to translate what this Greek word means, okay? So let me illustrate, you've seen this illustration before, but when, when you are regenerated by the Holy Spirit, do you know what he does? He baptizes you. This is what he does. He just plunges you right in to the Holy Spirit. Now, um, how many of you as parents have had the privilege of teaching your, your young children how to swim? Have you, have you done this? You put the little floaties on them, you know, and they're walking out there and, and they just float around. There's no way they can sink, you know. And you're right there to, to you know, towel dry every little water droplet off of their little face and you're so careful. We don't want them to to go under the water. And if it does, we want to make sure that they have little pluggy things on their nose and the goggles on their eyes. How many of you like me, like when your dad was there to teach you how to swim, he just like picked you up and threw you in the deep end of the pool. Anybody, am I the only one? And we survived, it's amazing. We survived this, right? Do you know what my dad did with me? He baptized me. That's what it means. It means to plunge you into the deep end. That's all it means. We try to make this word baptism so mysterious and everything. It just means to immerse. It means to plunge. And when you are regenerated by the Holy Spirit, you are plunged into all that the Spirit has for you. There's, there's some bad teaching in certain churches that teach you that you are regenerated by the Holy Spirit at one point in your life. And if you're really good, super Christian like special person, then later you get the power of the Holy Spirit. That's not the teaching of the Bible at all. Once you are regenerated by the Holy Spirit, you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. You are plunged into, saturated with the Holy Spirit. The Bible also teaches this, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So if you belong to Christ, you belong to the Spirit. It happens simultaneously. You have all of the Holy Spirit you are ever going to have if you are regenerate. The question is not, do you have the Holy Spirit? The question is, does the Holy Spirit have all of you? And the longer that you have the Holy Spirit, the more the Holy Spirit has of you as you grow in Christ and take advantage of being plunged into the Holy Spirit. Here's the fourth thing the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit fills me. In Ephesians 5.18, the Apostle Paul says, do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. The first part of the verse is an illustration. It's a word picture. It's like, remember the last time you got drunk? Remember that? 
Remember, you did some things and said some things that you would never have done if you were not under the influence of the wine. Well, he says that that's a bad idea. Don't do that. But you should be, can be, and will be filled with the Spirit so that you will do some things and say some things that you never would be able to do if you weren't under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Bible teaches there's one baptism of the Holy Spirit, but there are many fillings of the Holy Spirit. You know how we plunge this towel in here? We baptize this towel. The towel's you. And here's what you do all week long. You leak. You leak through sinning. You leak through serving. But we constantly need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So this is what happens all week long. It's like the world rings you out. Trying to raise those children. Trying to own a dog. trying to witness to your neighbor, trying to love your husband. And what do you have to do? So that we can do it again. And so there's one baptism, but there's many fillings. Every day we have to pray, God, would you fill me up? I leak. The Holy Spirit fills me. And then finally, the Holy Spirit secures me. People ask the question all the time, can you lose your salvation? A better way to ask that question is this, does the Holy Spirit ever stop saving me? Does this Holy Spirit ever stop securing me? If you read the New Testament, what you find is that the Holy Spirit secures me. If you could lose your salvation, you would. If it was up to you, to keep yourself saved? No chance. It's the Holy Spirit that secures me. Jesus was teaching on this and he teaches that the Holy Spirit draws me in John chapter six. All that the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. You know what great news that is? If you want to come to Jesus, if you want to be regenerated, he says, come on, I'm not gonna cast you out. Whoever wants to come to me, I will never cast out. Then he says this in verse 39, and this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he has given to me. So if you come, he's not ever gonna lose you. Like, where did, where did I put Trent? I don't know where, where'd he go? What's he doing today? No, he's actively involved in keeping me saved. And then in verse 44, he says, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. So the Holy Spirit draws me. The Holy Spirit seals me. At the point of regeneration, notice what the Holy Spirit does. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, that's the moment of regeneration, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Your salvation is sealed and guaranteed 
by the promised Holy Spirit. He not only saves me, he keeps saving me. I need to be saved every day. He never stops. It's sealed, it's guaranteed, and then he assures me. Romans chapter eight, verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Question. You've sat here for the last 45 minutes. The Spirit's been blowing through this congregation. Is your spirit bearing witness with God's spirit that you are a child of God? Or have you been sitting here feeling really awkward, wondering, questioning, doubting? Listen, if you are secured by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is assuring you in this moment that you're a child of God. And if you're not, and you don't have the assurance, that's the wind of the Holy Spirit. Now listen, don't tuck this away, take those notes home and say, I'm glad, I'm gonna process this through the week. And, and I might later on somehow decide I'll be born again. That's not the way it works, folks. If the Spirit has blown upon your heart this morning and you don't respond, what guarantee do you have the Holy Spirit's ever gonna blow again? It is the free will of the Spirit that regenerates you. And it is a merciful act if the Spirit has spoken and He's bearing witness with your spirit right now. And if you don't respond, you may never get another chance. I want us to stand together. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Continue to listen to what the Spirit of God is saying to us. Just bow your heads there. A few moments ago, many of you lifted your hand, many of you prayed, and I believe that many of you had a spiritual birthday. Some of you needed to do that, you didn't, but in the second half of the message, the Holy Spirit has been blowing on your heart. This is the way we're gonna end the service. Our pastors and their wives are here if you need to confess Christ, if you have been regenerated this morning by the power of His Spirit, I want you to do something really courageous. I just want you to slip out of your seat. I want you to come down one of these aisles, shake the hand of one of these pastors, and let them know, today I have had a spiritual birthday. If that's you, leave your seat right now and come. We're not gonna wait a long time. We're not gonna come to you but you should publicly profess your faith in Christ. We can talk to you about baptism. Some of you have been regenerate for a long time, but you haven't been baptized since you were regenerated. You haven't been baptized since you were born again. You need to get your baptism on the right side of your salvation. If that's you, you need to come right now. So I want to give you that opportunity. We're going to sing this song together. You take this as an opportunity to come now.